It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Morning. So, so hey, hey, Thomas, Craig FaceTime me today, as you know, and he's like <laughs> having serious technical issues getting on the Zoom and... He's wearing a Top Gun shirt, and I said, "I said, I see you got a t- Top Gun shirt on there." I said, "Which character do you think you are?" I said, "You know who you are." I said, "You're Cougar. Cougar's the guy at the start of the movie that almost crashes the plane." Oh boy, yeah, that's, that's pretty good, actually. Cougar had the meltdown at the start. <laughs> yeah, I did. Anyway, Craig, you you hop on late. Thomas and I are just having a conversation about our kids. Conversation was was more about hockey year round and the hunger at the start of a season for kids that took some time off versus the kids that have played games all summer long. Can I Correct. can I yeah, add I one mean, thing? I want that's... Vanner to talk about this, but I'm just going to well, add one thing before you go is the kids that play hockey all year round, there's, there's a group, a large group of kids in nowadays that play 50 games, just like Vanek said. He's like, they play 50 games. They go to 10 tournaments. They're playing all these games. They don't drag their ass on day one. They're actually the best kids without question for the first two, three weeks of the season. 
But then there is a lull. You see those kids that played all these games in the summer and they drag ass big time in the middle of the season. Big time. Because they're just, they're spent. Mentally spent, physically spent. And then you have these kids that don't play as much, that train in a different way, do other things. They seem to flourish and take off mid-season. 100% right. I mean, I mean, when we played, what's the first thing you did after the, the season was over? You Big put time the off. time off, right? And and I again, I, I'm I know I'm out of the game and I'm still coaching, but I think time off, time away, doing a second sport is really, really important. I mean, I'm I mean, growing up in Europe, I didn't have a choice. I mean, we had one rink. If the pro team didn't make the playoffs, the ice was out March 1st and then come back in till August 15th. So during that time, there was no ice available. If there would have been ice, I'm sure I would have, my dad would have signed me up and I would have done a camp, you know, maybe some skill stuff, some skating stuff. And I think that's great. I, that's what, that's what my boys do. But as far as AAA hockey in the summer, I, I don't think it's necessarily needed, first of all, or good. I think it's good to play another sport, be a kid, be with your buddies, you know, and just get away because when you play that much hockey all year round, even if a kid loves it, I mean, I talk to parents and they're like, well, that's what, that's what my son wants to do. That's what he wants to do. I'm like, I get it. Your son has, he's awesome. Super hockey IQ, passionate, but still even those kids, they need time away because I do believe that there is going to be a burnout. Well, let me, let me stop you for a second. Let me stop you for a second. So, there are, there are, there's going to be families. There's no question whatsoever that are going to listen to this and they're going to say, I don't agree with Thomas Vanek. Um, I think it's best for my son to be on the ice because if the more he's on the ice, the better my son will get. Um, my son needs to stay on the upper echelon of the age group. And if he takes time off, let's say three weeks to a month, that that is time that maybe not as ex- he won't get the exposure by going to these high-end tournaments that he um what is age are we talking lose, like Curiosity. we're talking 15 16 years old right now okay and younger well the the younger and age younger. listen i mean when you're talking 15 and 16 year olds i have a 15 year old vanner has a 16 year old there there are scouts whether it's um, junior scouts, whether it's D1 scouts, and depending on the tournament, there could be NHL scouts yeah. at these things. So well, I know, but what we're talking about, though, is like the excessive amount of hockey through a 12 month span, you know, and, and the age in which it starts. And it starts, I mean, it starts at like 10, 9, 8. I'm going to tell you this, and this is my opinion. Can I, I say think seven? hockey has come in to it, it is ultimately a 12-month sport whether you like it or you don't it is a 12-month sport here's the thing i choose as a parent i don't give a shit if my kid is drafted to junior i don't give a shit if my kid plays d1 i certainly do not care if my kid goes to the nhl i bring my kid to the rink because he loves the game. He wants to get better. I give him opportunity off the ice, whether it's training, going to a trainer or doing skill development stuff. But 
as a father in, in my family, I am not going to have my son play a 12 month sport. That's just the way it is. But there's a lot of people that think that you have to play the game 12 months a year to give your kid a shot. And I'm talking about, I'm talking but is more that, is that the about the is that high the end kids. Fault or is that the games and the sports fault? It's the game and the sports fault. The parents are batshit crazy. Like they're, I mean, hockey has gone from being a very competitive sport to move up the ranks to batshit crazy, man. I mean, parents are spending ungodly amounts of money, okay, to have their kid go to combines, to go to tournaments, to go and thinking that their son is getting exposure. And these parents don't have a goddamn clue paying that advisors, no one is watching your son right young now. Ages. But let me ask you, Rivs, why is this the game's fault? That's, that's not the game's fault. That's, it's that's the game. You, you just said it perfectly. The, the game is a 12-month game, but you as a parent make a choice. I do the same thing. I choose that my kids, and they, they, they enjoy baseball, yeah. and we pick baseball over summer hockey. And I'm with you. I mean, I let them do skill stuff and go work out and all these. And that's great. You want to do that and improve the hockey game? Go for an hour, three times a week. And that's it. So it's not the game's fault. The game doesn't change. Thomas, you're Thomas Vanek. You're Thomas Vanek. I hate to say it, and maybe no one's told you this, but you're also Thomas Vanek, who was drafted fifth overall into the NHL. You also played 16 years in the NHL. You also played hundreds of games in the NHL. You also banked well over $50 million, $60, $70 million. You're a give a shit meaner to have your kid play in the NHL. The bank money is zero. But I'm going to tell you, parents nowadays, if if you don't think that parents are putting ungodly, ungodly amounts of money into training, Private sessions, development, hockey off the ice, training se- sessions off the ice, taking your kid to a tournament. Okay, I went to I went to one tournament with my son this year. Went to Philadelphia. Okay, cost me cost me almost three grand. It cost me almost three grand. Now here's the thing: three grand to me is not the same as what it is for most people, and I was irritated at spending three thousand dollars. Okay. It is ridiculous the amount of money that people spend to have their kid and give their kid an opportunity, maybe not to play in the NHL. Maybe this isn't about playing in the NHL. Some some are some are really, really right now at 15 years old are focused on driving their kid in a situation that their kid has an opportunity to play in the NHL and make the big bucks. Because that's what it's all about. Or the other half, which is a large, large, large majority is I want my son to be drafted to the OHL. And if he's drafted to the OHL, then he has an opportunity to get a D1, uh, a, a scholarship, which is paid for. Or you have the kids in the States. All these parents are driving towards having their kid play D1 hockey. If you play D1 hockey, that means you're not paying $250,000 that goes towards school. But reality is what? 
the reality and is I tell my my sons this all the time because you know it's it's hard it's hard for 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 my boys because they see their friends doing all this stuff or not all of them but some of them and they always ask me why can we do that why and I'm like because we don't and I said you keep you know putting in the office work and all this stuff and if you develop by 15 16 17 18 if you're good they'll find you and that's that's it is. It's reality. If you're good enough at 15, 16, 17, 18, in hockey even, 19, 20, because you can play juniors, if you're good enough, they will find you. You don't have to go to all these AAA classics here and here. Yes, are they fun to do? I'm sure they are. They're super expensive, like you mentioned. But if you're good enough, they'll find you. Well, to counter your point, Thomas and Craig, just that was a great argument against why it's not the game's fault but i'll tell you what is the game's fault you know the cost of the equipment and i don't know i mean i don't know that's probably the, the manufacturer's fault but i mean you have just parents spending ungodly amounts of money on equipment skates are 400 bucks for an average pair of skates the mid-grade skate okay Minimum hundred bucks for a stick. Minimum, minimum one hundred dollars for a stick. That's the very what? low end. What kind of stick would, would you stick be playing are, with, dude? You can't buy a <laughs> stick for a hundred fucking dollars unless it's wood. Are you on crack cocaine, man? I don't buy hockey equipment, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, you, on, you have, you have you no idea, in, uh, dude. Store in a while. You're Listen, telling me I that, have seen. You're telling kids, me I couldn't go and get my kid. A, let's call it a, a 12 or my, my son's 10, but let's say he's 13 and a, needs a, a, a bigger stick that will cost more. You're telling me I couldn't get him a stick for a hundred bucks. Not even close. There's no stick out there. That's a hundred dollars unless it's wood. Now, come on, Petey, Petey. These kids right now are buying sticks that average anywhere from three to $400. How much are hockey helmets now? Depend if you want the top end helmet, you're you're spending five hundred on a on a helmet. If you're buying what? the what? highest end helmet for your child, you're spending five hundred dollars. And what does that helmet do? Protect it's got a your microphone kid from in depression. it, so uh, Dak can talk to him from the stands and tell <laughs> him when to skate and shoot yeah. and pass. And don't pass. Don't pass to Smitty. <laughs> You know, listen, I mean, <laughs> equipment, you, you have to realize. What did, your coach, what did your coach just say? He said, tell your dad to shut the fuck up. That's the Why, next but, thing. There's there's going to be a microphone and a helmet. Some dad's going to do it. Some dad's going to find the technology, build the goddamn thing himself, and he's going to be telling the bullshit kid. Bullshit, $500. Has anyone told these parents that fucking helmets don't prevent concussions? Have we not learned this yet? Text your head from getting gashed open with a skate or a puck or a stick. Get the facts straight. Keep your teeth in your mouth. I tell you what, the game is changing because, like, like Riz mentioned and PD, I was in Chicago over the weekend with Blake for that uh, USHL camp, and it was great. I mean, lots of talent. It was awesome to see. I mean, kids from California who are good. Like, it's it's amazing. It's really it's awesome. The game has grown. The U.S. in about ten years. They will dominate every world championship, every Olympics, because it's the only country in the world that still has growth. Canada can't grow anymore. 
Sweden can't grow anymore. Russia can't grow. The U.S. is growing. They're going to be just dominant. But the biggest thing... I think they might win right now. If you put the best on best, Canada-U.S., I think the U.S. could take a a seven-game series. They, they, They certainly can. But guess what? Canada can do a team number two and a team number three, and they would kill the U.S., I believe. You think so? Yeah. I think the depth, I mean, look at the Vegas, how many Canadian guys were on, on, on I Vegas think team number three could beat the top team in the U S right now. No, no, no that, that no you're way. wrong. I think the high end talent in the U S is, is really, really good. That's, that's, you're that's the Canadian talking. Yeah, the, the, you're talking talent. You're talking skill set. but that's the game. Yeah. But I mean, but listen, I mean, back to my original po- point, not, not in, not in when games matter, Thomas, when games matter, Go get some Canadians. You'll win some games. Back to my original point. (laughs) Watching this USHL camp. There's the fencemen out who are 6'5", 6'4", beautiful skaters, and I think I saw maybe two hits all camp. And I asked my buddy who I played college with. He's a college coach. And um, I'm like, is this how they play nowadays? He goes, yeah, he's like, even college, I, I, I got to tell my big guys, stay away from the big hits because everything will be a five-minute major. There's no, I mean, when I was 20 years ago at a USA, 20-some years ago at the USHL camp, there was five, six, seven fights per scrimmage. I mean, I, I didn't the, do any of them. In a, in a USHL camp. In a junior camp. Junior camp. Here, there was this was four days long, and there was not one fight the whole camp. So the game is certainly well, even in the OHL, same thing in the OHL. When I, there was, there was multiple and I mean multiple, like the first thing that when I went to camp, when I was with the Montreal Canadians, my very, very first camp, they pulled all the guys together. Okay. And they basically told the players, there is zero fighting. If you fight, you will be ejected from the game. The puck dropped in the very first uh, shift and two absolute ungodly beasts of a men, which were there for fighting, beat the living shit out of each other and just skated off the ice because that's why they were there. They didn't give a shit about hockey. And that's that that was hockey back then. And now. There's no fighting at all. There's no fighting in junior hockey in the OHL. If you fight, you're ejected. You, you, if you have, what, two two fights or three fights throughout the year, the third time you fight, you're suspended. Like, there's no fighting anymore. They're taking it out of the game slowly, um, which is totally I, I don't, fun. I, not slowly. They're taking it out completely. How many fights did we see in the playoffs? I mean, a lot of scrummy-type fights, right? You know, no, after no, no, the like, whistle. Like PD-type fights. None. There, there's no PD type fights anymore. Zero. You have more. You have Matthew Kachuk face washing somebody. Not you know, that's, that's not, that's not sure, fighting. Right. That's just that's what I did. Scumming right? somebody from behind. Two hand guys and and spear a little bit in the scrum. Like that. That was my type of fighting. But actual fighting, fighting. I don't. I don't. Was there one legit fight the whole playoffs? I'm not even talking about the finals. Maybe a Jamie Ben fight somewhere. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't think he did. I think Jamie Benn has, I think... I heard this one time because I'm like, oh, Ben might have to fight after that Dumba hit or something. He's got zero, zero playoff fights in his career. And I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. And that that was surprising to me. So, so the game you think, is. Do you think thinking. there's enough physicality? Like the the fighting's out of the game, which is totally fine with well, me. Totally fine. See? I love the speed. I love the skill set. Um viewership you know, is down a shit ton do you think some of the some of that has to do with it yes just the fact that florida i think would- it had to do with who is in the finals like come on i mean you have vegas that's uh their their fan base is six years old okay so how big can your fan base be and then you have florida panthers that ultimately don't have a fan base so who's watching the games you have the diehard hockey fans that love the game of hockey but there's a whole bunch of people that have just turned it right out what was the statistic on that the other day, Petey? 43% down from last year, just the finals. Viewership. Wow. I think the biggest problem is, is I think part of it is certainly what Revs just mentioned, the teams that are in it. But I think the biggest issue is, and I was even at this, I don't want to watch hockey in June. We just had this argument of youth hockey that we don't want to you know, put our kids in tournaments in June and July. I don't want to do it anymore. Like I, I, I thought the playoffs were great, but by the time Florida swept Carolina and you had to wait 11 days until the cup final to start, I was checked out. I didn't want to wait. I think that the end, and this is even when we played, we, we would talk about this and I would bring it up. I'm like, why can't hockey start after Labor Day training camp in September and end the season in May. No, we should not be playing hockey in June or, or the just, end of April. Yes, or, uh, you have hey, to. A, like, it's. April, I mean, I live May, in yeah. Minnesota where we have cold winters. You guys live in Buffalo where it's cold. By the time it gets nice, I want to watch my kids play baseball. I want to go golf. I do not care about a seven o'clock game in June. That's I, the Stanley Cup final. I do watch it because I'm a hockey nut. 
But the I regular think, fan I is think checked I remember out. Hearing I'm checked veteran, out. I remember hearing veteran players talk about this in the locker room early in my career. Guys are like, why the fuck can't we start the season earlier? And I think a lot of it has to do because we would start the season at a certain point, and it might have been after the lockout year, but they started it at that point. There's something to do with baseball. Like, like the early season schedule in hockey is normally pretty light because baseball's just starting or finishing, wrapping up. Like, you got the World Series and everything, and no one's interested in the first 15 games of the NHL season. Right. That's exactly what the argument was always from, from the NHL. They want to start middle of October because baseball's wrapping up. But to me, it's it, that's just such a – the, the hockey – fan base does not overlap with the baseball fan base. I, I I really, I don't know. I think it's a bad move. I think you want the highest viewership at the end of the season and out the start of the season. And I think these numbers that you just mentioned proves it completely that, you know, this is the Stanley cup final and the viewership is down. And and I think a big reason is because it's nice outside. People don't want People to watch. They're starting hockey. to get outside. People want yeah. to get outside. They want to get active. They have stuck in their house. They, they want to, they want to move and groove. And when you're sitting there talking about the Stanley cup playoffs at the end of June, I just think it's wrong. I really do. And, and I think you're bang on Vanner. I mean, we sit there when we used to go to training camp, our rookie camps were at the 15th of, of August. Okay. Or, or the, the 20th of August. And then from that, week, uh, you know, probably five days of rookie camp, if you made it to the main camp, you started like September 1st. So f- you'd start September 1st. Usually training camp was a week, a week, full week long. You play your exhibition games. You're ready to rock and roll by at the latest, at the very, very latest um, October, October 1st. Now they're playing. When did they play uh, the season this year? The 12th? It was something yeah, like that. I think it's I, middle of October were, or something. Two weeks is big. They should be finishing the end yep. of May, just like just like Vanner yep. said. Two weeks is massive. I don't know why they're going to camp on the sixteenth or seventeenth of September. It's just it's it's just not it's well, not the, good. Listen, before we get into the finals and stuff, you know, with Van here, I, I the, part of the problem, in my opinion, is that the NHL worries about what every other league is doing. You know, that's, you know, they worry about football season. You know, they worry about the NBA. They worry about baseball and they should. They're the smallest sport, but they're. That's what happens when you're the bottom feeder. Well, exactly. Or, you know, you wonder if there's some kind of like, you know, internal discussion with other commissioners and things about when you're going to start and viewership and don't take our viewership. But the NHL just needs to try to stand on their own and stop trying to copycat at pieces from every league. Just. Do your own thing. There's, there's a listen. The the NHL's outdated. They need some new blood in there. There's a video circling around what Dana White said, and say what you want about Dana White. It's not who it is saying it. It's what's being said, and I agree with it. I mean, it's like the NHL is product is it's cheesy. It's been agree more, Petey. But at the same time, as much as the NHL is the bottom feeder, what did the Ottawa Center does just sell for? Million bucks, nine hundred million bucks. I would have bought him for a million. (laughs) (laughs) A billion. Yeah, it's like nine hundred fifty million, right? Yep. So, as much as a bottom feeder you are, the business is is certainly working. 
because a franchise like the Ottawa Senators can sell for that much. But you got to understand something, though, too. And I highest sold you. franchise. They, they highest. Were, yes. And we're, Ottawa we're, Senators are like what? Like, I mean, a bottom like you would think of them as somewhat of a bottom feeder team the in the NHL. Even at the reported seven hundred and fifty million, I thought that was absurd for the Ottawa Senators. Now, granted, I feel like the guy that bought them, who owns the Bulldogs, who the Hamilton Bulldogs, who own the the AHL team, he is disgustingly wealthy. And this is like Terry Pagula overpaying for the Bills just to fucking buy the Bills. Like he upped his he upped his bid like four or five hundred million in a day just to outbid the next guy and basically say beat it. He so overpaid for over- the Bills. Well, what's the bills worth now? It's at the time, Craig. At, at the, the time. time. No, at oh, the time. But, so again, these argument. people, Easy hey, the, all these people just like Terry, like. there's a reason they're billionaires. They're smart. They they know what's what where to put their money, what will be in the future. But my whole again, my, my whole point of the senators is that like Petey mentioned, the NHL is too worried about the NFL, the NBA. Just be your own product. Obviously, it's working because if teams can sell, if the Ottawa Senators can sell for that much money, something is 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 okay in this league. No, uh, there'll be more teams going for sale soon. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the Sabers. Maybe. Maybe the Sabers. What do you think of the finals, Thomas? I think about a period and a half into Game One. It was pretty evident if if Vegas doesn't have any big injuries, that they will go through it pretty easily. And I think that's exactly how it played out. Too much depth, big defenseman, a big goalie who came in and more of a blocker, but did a, a really, really nice job for them in, in Aiden Hill. And I thought Eichel was tremendous. I thought his skating ability, I mean, his skating is off the charts. He always had that. But now with Cassidy in there, really teaching him the the defensive side, which is important as a centerman, was really evident. I mean, I don't care that he scored six goals. I thought he was, overall, I thought he was the best player in every round. I thought he was, he was really good. And uh, see what you want about him. That the, the Vegas, you know, he's, he's a piece of the puzzle because they have a lot of pieces. But I thought he was a big, big piece, and he could have easily won the Conn Smythe. But I think with Marchessault's his big goals in the second, third, the Stanley Cup final, I think ultimately won him the Conn Smythe, which is who gives a shit anyways. Yeah. But I thought Eichel was a a tone setter. He was he was unbelievable. How does it's, a player how does a player figure that out like that? Go from one extreme to the other. Well, it's it's well one extreme to the other. Let's let's not kid ourselves too, right? Did, did Jack do some things wrong in Buffalo that he would might want to change? Absolutely, but at the same time, and I've said this before, and people said I'm wrong or whatever. You have to surround them with good people, which I don't think at the times mm-hmm. they tried. There was no reason for him to be a captain. He's not a captain in Vegas. He's just a piece of the puzzle who's an unbelievable superstar. Like but he's nowhere was, near a captain in Vegas, which is just a perfect situation for him. There's nothing wrong. You can be a superstar and don't have to be a captain. And that's that's right. That's, that's, right. that's what, what in the NHL is, you know, which I didn't like my last four or five years playing on some younger teams 
the teams think because of marketing, they have to have your superstar be the captain. No, that's not how it works. I think Toronto did a super smart thing by bringing in Tavares. Obviously, the contract is what it is. But they don't put the pressure on a Marner or a Matthews to be the captain. He Bring in an older guy who's been there, done that, and let him handle it. He deserved and, extra money in Toronto just to be taking on that role because that's a brutal role. Correct. And I think Jack being the captain in Buffalo at his age with 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 what he was asked to do, it was just unrealistic in my opinion. But um, in Vegas, I think it's a it's a perfect fit. They got a lot of, you know, they, they got the Stones. They got the Martinez, Pietrangelo, you, you name it, on and on. Older guys have been there, done that, and he can just play. You know, the, the $14 million over the salary cap is, is something that I think the league needs to get a hold of somehow. We're seeing teams take advantage of it. You know, it's a little bit unfair. No issues with it. That all, all it shows to me is that you have a committed owner who's willing to spend. Tampa did it. I mean, it is what it is. The it guys doesn't hurt. make it right, though. But why does it make it wrong? Did they do something wrong within within the rules? Did they do something wrong? Well, do you do you th- do you think that uh, when you have a uh, salary cap in Tampa Bay, where you have a player in Nikita Kucherov who the year before led the league in scoring, has a surgery? Could have had it in the summertime. Decides to have it a little bit later. He waits. They get more. They're they're waiting to see if it's going to heal this and that. He ends up having the surgery like late or mid season. He has the surgery, and then all of a sudden he was skating up to over a month before the season ended, and was ready to go, but they chose not to play him. They chose not to play him because he was, in quotations, still getting into game shape and still work. But all of a sudden, he plays his first game in the first game of the the playoffs. Now, here's the thing. If they would have put his $9.5 million into the salary cap, they would have been in cap hell. They wouldn't have been able to do what they did with that roster. So they kept Nikita Kucherov out. And basically played him in the very first game. The same thing as what they did with Mark Stone. Tampa Bay was $18 million over the cap. If you would have been on on Vegas this year playing as a sixth defenseman, would you have gone to the GM and be like, this is bullshit. Stone should be playing right now the last two weeks of the regular season. No, I wouldn't. If I was on the team, I wouldn't have any (laughs) problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. If, you, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So what? That's that, my whole. That being said, what about everybody else in the game? That's not on Vegas. That's not on Tampa Bay. I think it's wrong when you're 14 million dollars over the cap and you have a nine and a half million dollar player, one in Mark Stone and one in Nikita Kucherov. You're adding not just a player. You're adding literally a superstar, and it's not right. They have to do something in the league. You should not be allowed to play Mark Stone. There should be a cap going into the playoffs. If you're not under this cap, then you ain't playing or, these guys. Or if you're $14 million over because of long-term IR, the next season you start $14 million less. 
Thank you, Pete. There's your penalty. You're going to you win know what? a cup. Vegas you're going to win Knights. a cup because you're 14 million over. Well, you're going to lose a fucking player because you just won a cup being over the cap. That's your penalty. There you go. There you go. There needs to be a there needs to be especially especially when you have two teams that have won Stanley Cups in the last what three years. One team was 18 million over the cap, and then you've got some kid named Nikita Kucherov who's wearing a goddamn shirt on a boat with the Conn Smythe Trophy and the Stanley Cup making a joke of the league, yeah. saying "fuck you." Well, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. Boom. You guys are you guys are 18 under the cap starting next year. But you know what? I At the no end of the day, Nikita Kucherov sitting there going, I don't care if we're 40 under the under the cap. I have a Stanley Cup. I don't care. I as long as you know what, it's it's allowed. It's I have no issues with it at all. None. The other teams can do that. The other 14 teams that made the playoffs can do that. It's, it's, you have an owner that's willing to spend. The only thing I would say that uh, what I would change is even during when we still played during the lockout, and I mentioned it with the hard cap, just like baseball, why can't we have luxury tax? If the, if the Vegas owner wants to spend 20 million over the cap in the regular season, well, then pay a $20 million fine into the kitty, and there goes your escrow. Yeah, baseball has one. Steinbrenner baseball did it has for one. years. Steinbrenner so explain that explain that to me again, Banner, because it's, so it, it's a 80, good question. If, if, if your cap, I believe the way it works, if you have, if your cap is eighty two million, okay, and Vegas or or Tampa, their owner is like, I don't care about this cap. It's a soft cap, yep. and they spend twenty five million over the cap. Yep. Well, then he has to pay another twenty five million into the hockey revenue. Well, then you're gonna have you're gonna have stars over Kansas in the NHL. You're gonna have and that's Toronto what it Maple used to Leafs. be. Right? You're gonna have Chicago, Philadelphia. Yeah, you're gonna have all the big boy boy teams that are. Listen, do you know how much I think money Toronto Maple Leafs print? I I, I remember uh, Bob Goodnow. I feel like uh, might have brought up the luxury tax, but the owners wouldn't have been on board because it still would have affected the small market teams. Like your Rangers would have been like, "Fuck it." Well, they were paying a hundred million bucks at the time anyway. They were part. They were one of the main culprits in the whole CBA issue. If, you know? if, so, if I'm a player in today's game, I would make have a meeting or call call whoever's in charge of the PA, the new guy, and be like. Why is the cap only going up one million? This is an absolute joke. There's teams selling for nine hundred fifty million, and the cap is going up one million. I would say we are not playing next year until you raise the cap to the value of the franchises. It's an absolute joke to me. You look at the NBA. There's guys making fifty, sixty million, and the best player in the world, to me, the best athlete in the world, Connor McDavid is making 12.5. There's guys in the NBA that play four minutes that make more than Connor McDavid. I'm not saying that hockey will ever get to that value where well, guys what, How much 50. are they grossing? That's the difference. How much are they grossing? Well, I know their TV deal is much bigger, but you can't tell me the TV deal with ESPN and, and all this stuff and teams selling for that much money that your cap has to only go up $1 million? Yeah. How many te- how many players dress on a basketball team? 12? Oh, so okay. there's so in, in the NHL you're you're dressing 23, 
in the NBA, NBA you're dressing 12. Um, your, your elite player on your team's making 30, 40 million. Double right? that. Like the 55, top 60, the, I think. The top five guys take up what? 80% of the salary cap. You know, the, the top five guys are, I should say the top five in the bench guy, the first off the bench guy, they make ungodly amounts of money. It's yeah. all star. I say the word stars. You say that they Kansas. they might have they might have less players, but their salary cap is one hundred and thirty four million. That speaks to the revenues of the league and well, how much? Well, that's my question. How much are they making? Are they making double what the NHL is making? Uh, the, well, uh, the TV the, deal is much higher. That's the league, why they can afford that. I'd revenue in the and the and and uh, the um, NHL. Is is almost five five and a half billion dollars. What is it in the NBA? I think it's like ten or eleven. 10 well, there you billion. go. Yeah. It's, it's simple then. It's it's just simple yeah, math. NFL is like seventeen, and Major League Baseball is. Hockey makes more money. The players make more money. The owners make more money. So you can't compare. Just like you can't you can't. The sit owners there make and enough money because the value of the franchise just went up. What did what did Terry Pagula buy the Sabers for? Do you guys remember, PD? We were there. 120, I think it was. 140. No, no, I think it was. Might have been like 160 or 180. I think it was 120, 140, 150 tops, maybe. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Looking that up right now. Kind of what are the Buffalo Sabres? 165. 165 million. If he puts it for sale today, what can he sell it for? Just seeing the Ottawa Senators went for 950 million for 90%, right? Because I think that the Dodgers kept 10% of the franchise. Yeah. I I would think it would have to be the same as that or maybe more. No. The same. The same. What do you mean? I mean, no. it's the Ottawa is probably the same market as Buffalo. I think Canada gives them an edge. I just do. I don't Why would you so. say that? Why would you say that? Buffalo is, I mean, look how many Canadian fans the Sabres have. I, I don't think it gives them an edge at all. I think the Sabres, I think the Sabres are, are considered a small market, but it's probably one of the greatest markets in all of the NHL. Right here in Buffalo. It's not I the agree. biggest, but it is one of the most passionate. Now, I'll tell you, you what they there won't You can talk sell, about Edmonton. You can talk about Calgary and, and Montreal and Toronto and those, those tell die you the, hard markets. I'll tell you the lowest price for the Sabres. 
650 million because that was the last expansion price. They're not going to let someone buy a team for less than somebody starting a brand new one, building a rink, all of it. Could you imagine Seattle right now? Yeah. These guys walk in and in their, in their what first year they, they play, they play awesome. I mean, an, an, an incredible, incredible, uh, group of players, a great place to play the game of hockey, they pay six hundred and fifty million. You have the Ottawa Centers that sell for nine hundred fifty. I mean, what is Seattle worth right now? Literally, what two years in? A billion or more. Oh, one point one point one easily one sure. three plus. Yeah, I mean, so it's, that it's goes good thing back. For hockey. It's a that great goes thing back for to hockey. Saying, if I'm a player, why I would I would ask why is the cap only going up one million? I don't care if this if if Terry Pagula loses fifteen million this past year, well his franchise went up nine hundred million. <laughs> it, old, it's, it's, old Terry, old Terry's just swimming in Benjamins right now, right? <laughs> loving life. Okay, let's move on to some other saber news. Um, former teammate of ours, Mike Weber, moving on from the Rochester Americans and now taking the assistant coaching job in with the st louis blues so congratulations to webby awesome yeah texted him yesterday congratulated him i think it's i I love seeing former guys i played with moving on and then having the passion and then coaching at a high level or or gming like danny b and then mike greer i think it's it's so fun to, to see those guys succeed right so awesome for webby it's a big loss for the sabers I think he had a, a a good role there with the Amherst, and obviously that's why he's getting the job. But I mean, he's I think he's great for the young players. I thought for sure at some point you might have seen him and that whole coaching staff at one point move on somewhere together, if not up into Buffalo. But obviously, yeah, I, I think you know, and you're right. I think that coaching staff with with Seth Appert, I think they did an awesome job of getting that young team you know, to where they got this year. And I think on the flip side, on the Buffalo and Donnie Granado and his staff, I think it's the first time in many, many years where I actually think the staff has some pressure in Buffalo. To me, they have to make the playoffs next year. It's as simple as that. Well, there's there's something else too. Like if you see the Philadelphia Flyers uh, just added John LeClaire to their, you know, special advisor to hockey operations. They brought in Keith Jones to be the president. They have Danny Briere there, you know, like it, I, I think Patrick that's sharp. That's an, I just think that's another area where the Sabres could bolster their team. And by bringing in more people to surround the guys in the hockey department that have years of experience in the league. I mean, how about Mike Pekka? Uh, there's one Mike Pekka. You know, slaving it right down in the minors, riding the bu- those long bus rides, doing what he, but he loves it. I'm going to tell you, talk to him. He loves it. He loves being around this right now. His two kids are older. They're moving on. They're, they're doing great. And now Mike has all this time on his hands and he's loving what he's doing right now. And I look at Mike Peck and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, wouldn't he be a, a fantastic guy? to run things off of or, or have some sort of um, job within this organization. 
I know that him and Seth Appert in the minors have done a really good job with Mike Weber, who now has moved on. But that group down there have done a really nice job. And I'm he, sure they'll they'll get an opportunity sooner or later, right? That's that's the way it works. You have success, you build a good team, even if it's not in Buffalo, like like for Webby, for for Pex and for uh, Seth, they'll get an opportunity somewhere. When are you uh, putting your resume in somewhere, Thomas? Um, very soon. Ooh. Just not in Buffalo. Oh. <laughs> Speaking Jeez. of not in Buffalo, are you guys following this Stefan Diggs story here? What's going on there? I don't even want to speculate on it. I just know that uh, you know, listening to, to listening to the coach talk, you know, uh, McDermott, he's is really love the way he speaks. Um, he's very supportive. Um, squashed, you know, spoke the other day and and talked about, you know, obviously very concerned with the situation with Stefan Diggs and, and not, um, they're somewhere in the circle of trust. Okay. Not on the outside with the media and everybody speculating. There's a, there's a circle of trust, uh, issue going on that they're trying to work out. And I liked how, uh, McDermott, um, in the media yesterday kind of spoke about what he said in the first day about, you know, he was concerned about the the situation with Stefan Diggs, but then spoke yesterday about opening up and understanding and, and getting rid of all the speculation and bullshit that's out there because there's so much. I haven't heard any, I haven't honestly, I haven't heard any speculation or bullshit because I don't follow it. I just know he yep. hasn't reported. So is yep. there a lot of speculation? There's a lot of, there's, I mean, um, if you're, if you're, I, if you're I, not on Twitter with all the Twitter geniuses giving their opinions on what's going on. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of rumors. So there's a lot oh. of, a shit out there. Hey, it's pretty easy. NFL star wide receiver. What do those guys want? Time off. They want new ball. Con- they want the new, ball, man. New contract. They want to get paid. He already has and a new contract. To, and and they they always want to get paid and they want the ball. Is he not so, going to get the ball? Is that the problem? Is there? Well, like did you game? watch the last two uh, playoff games? All I, I know, know is you got a superstar prima donna. Uh, wide receiver that is easily one of the top in the game and he's not getting the ball. I'm watching the game last year. I'm losing my mind. I don't even know football. I don't even know <laughs> yeah. football, man. And I'm sitting there like, why am I not fucking throwing him the ball? <laughs> I'm irritated and I don't even know anything about football. You imagine Stefan Diggs, who's literally one of the greatest athletes in the, in the NFL and he's not getting the ball thrown. To him? So can I guess what one of the speculations is? Let me get go out and throw out your speculation. Okay. Let's hear it. Well, here it is. Did he hook up with Alan's girlfriend? <laughs> Didn't they break up? I don't know where you're going with this, Petey. The guy probably looked at the playbook playbook and goes, You want me to these routes? You looked at the box, eh, Thomas? The playbook. And he goes, You you want me to run these routes, but I'm not getting the ball? No, nah, I'm not coming. It's pretty simple. He goes, what, there's there's 200 plays and I only get 10 of them? No, no, no. I need at least 100 of those are mine. <laughs> and rightfully you... so. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to win games, if you're going to lose games, lose them with your best players. You sit there and watch the Bengals game. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm like the first half, I don't even think Diggs had a ball thrown to him. How is that fucking possible? How is that possible? 
Who is making the play calls? Who is making the play calls? Is it possible for hockey to be so focused on one player making all the plays and having the puck all the time? No, because hockey, we don't have a playbook, right? I mean, I'm I'm friends with here in Minnesota with a few few guys that played for the Vikings, and it's it's absolutely insane. I remember when I played, I would these guys would come and work out, and they would have their backpack and they would pull out this literally this playbook, and I'm like, this is what you have to learn. He goes, Yep, got mini camp coming up. I got to learn all these plays. I'm like, Okay, I got to know like four faceoff plays, <laughs> and I probably came up with three of them, so I know them. <laughs> It's crazy. It's absolutely a, a completely different mindset in sport. Yeah, you're telling me. You, <laughs> I, I couldn't play that sport, man. No. It's not, it's not the physicality. It's just like it's way too much time at the stadium. Way yeah. too much time. Thomas, great stuff, man. Anything you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, the only thing I'm going to add is watching the playoffs. I know people are like, oh, if Buffalo would have snuck in like Florida, we could have been in a Stanley Cup final. I don't even think they're close, but I think they need to make moves. And next year, there's pressure. I think uh, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a complete failure of a season. Give me two moves that they have to make to at least give them an opportunity next year. Well, I, I think what Columbus did and getting Proveroff and Severson, it's it's something that I would have loved the Sabres to get two defensemen. That would be a good start. But obviously that's two guys now off the market. So I, I don't have the list in front of me of who is available and his, but but that would be number one is to get two D-man that are difference makers. And the other thing is which line for Vegas was absolutely amazing. And I loved watching them. The fourth line. Yes. Studs, absolute studs. It reminded me when I was on the Islanders and the line is still intact with Zazikas, Martin, and, and Clutterbuck. It's one of the best fourth lines in hockey. Yep. I'm telling you, that line, it wasn't about John Tavares, Kyle Poso, or myself, or Franz Nielsen, all the, the skilled guys we had there for, for my short time I was there. That line was the team. When that line was going and forechecking and hitting, that crowd responded way more than yeah. when the top guy scored a goal. Every team needs a line of Cowboys. It That, that line, they can play. That yeah. Colasar, he's a hockey player. How many times he, have you talked about him in the last couple of years, Petey? Holy. I mean, he single-handedly won the series, you can say, as much as Eichel was good by knocking out Matthew Kachuk, right, with that clean hit. Yeah. Knocked the best player out of the game. With a clean hit, but I, I just thought the way that line forechecked, but even that third line with that um God, what's his name? I'm gonna butcher it like like Rivs usually does. Uh, Armanio, Ar Armadio. Amadio. Amadio. Even that I mean, even that guy. The, the way he forechecked, they hunt pucks. I mean, it was they played a style where it was physical, but not they're not killing people. They're getting under sticks. They're going. They're, they're going to get that puck. And that, if one, if they, if you, if there's one thing to take from these finals, uh, for every team trying to get in, it's it's a wake up call for how your team needs to play and how your team needs to be willing to play, and that's everybody. Are they willing to play that way and take that shit in order to win? That's the like, true to me. Test. To me, the Vegas Golden Knights won the cup 
the cup final to me was Vegas against Edmonton. The Dallas and Florida series, they were those those were the two easiest series for them. They're just we're too fast, we're too big, we're too strong. This is uh, Vegas Oilers. That was the Cup final. After that, they're probably like, eh, we're gonna win. We're we're too big, we're too strong. These teams can't stop us. And I look at the bottom six of the Sabers. You are nowhere close. Nowhere close. Well, Give me one guy on the bottom six of the Buffalo Sabers that could have played for Vegas. In Bruce Cassidy's system. Craig's not going to like this, but I can name one that I think would have been able to handle it and sustain it. That's Zemgus. See, maybe the only guy. Yeah, you, you might be right. Or 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 the guy I actually got from Vegas, maybe the the Krebs. I think Krebs four checks hard, but needed two bigger guys next to him. But after that, there's nobody. Pull up, Cougar. Pull up, Cougar. Cougar, pull up. Cougar. <laughs> Vanner, last thing, speaking of movies. So who's the kid, Reinbacher, that said you're like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Austria? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, he's a stud. Kid's a, kid's a really good player. He'll be a, a first-round pick, maybe even a top-10 pick. I have a question for you, Thomas. It's about the young buck that called you Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now this, uh, this, you know, if you were the Buffalo Sabres, Petey and, and Vanner, if you had a choice and, and I know they're going to go out and they're probably going to pick the best player available. That's kind of what you want to do when you're picking. Um, but if you had a choice to start to stock the cupboard a little bit, I think the number one spot would be on defense. Okay, they have, you know, Coolidge, Oslin, Rosen, um, Savoy. You have all of these forwards that were all first round draft picks in Quinn, the last couple Paterka. of years. Paterka, Quinn, you know, Cousins. They're all young. Now, I know we, we have Owen Power and Darlene and, and Samuelson that are young guys, but what is in the minors? What is coming up in the next two, three years? And the answer is basically Johnson, maybe Johnson from that. They just signed. who's a former first round draft pick. Um, they need to start to stock that cupboard again. Okay. And this young man, Thomas, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, is, is he the highest ranked defenseman in the draft class so far? I'm, I'm not sure if he's the highest I I know he's one of them. I know he's, he's, he's one of them. And I, you know, I, he seems to me a kid like Moritz Sider. I don't know if he's going to get to the upside of a Moritz Sider, but very similar, you know, where, where people don't know much about the kid. How big is, he, he is this kid? Hmm? How big is this kid? 6'2", 185 right now? Yeah, yeah. But the way he plays, his skating ability, he, he, the way he moves the puck, he reminds me a lot of a, a young Moritz Sider. I'm with you, Riv. I would be stockpiling so, on D. I guess what I'm trying to say is everybody knows kind of what's happening right now with, you know, the first number of picks. You're going to have, you know, the Bedard, the Fantilli, the Carlson Swede. You're going to have the Smith kid, um, the, 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 the Russian, the Russia, Mitchkoff. the Russian Mitchkoff, um, Ryan Leonard, who is the 
who is the winger for Smith at the ND, NDP. I mean, there's a lot of really good players that are going to that are going to take up the the first seven picks or whatever. And when I when I look at this this kid that we're talking about, David Reinenbacher, he's a right-handed defenseman that is a pretty special player. Like he you just basically spoke of him like a like a, a Snyder or Cider. And what I'm thinking right now is if this kid's a right-handed shot, he's got the size, he is really high-end, do you think the, the Sabres at 13 possibly could move up in the draft to try and get this kid in particular? Well, I found Buffalo, there's two things I do. Take a defenseman 100%, or I'm going to trade a pick to get immediate help on defense. Oh, actually, I said two. I meant three things. Or the other third thing I would do is try to get move up to four and five and grab the Russian kid. Because you have time. You don't need Michkov tomorrow. If he wants to stay two more years or three years, go ahead. Have him come over like Kaprizov did for the Wild at 22, 23, and be an absolute stud. How how high do you think this Russian Michkov is going to be like they're saying right now that his skill set is the only player in the draft class that is that is comparable to Connor Bedard. Like we're talking, Mijkov one calendar year ago was considered the one-two pick in the NHL draft. They were both on the same level. Now Mijkov has dropped a little bit because of the Russian ties, because he has a signed contract with his team in the KHL, which that KHL team is not going to allow him to go right anywhere until that contract's done. So there are going to be teams that are weary of Mijkov. But do you think that that is a play that that he's going to drop in the draft? Or do you think that people will still take him in the top five? He ain't dropping. Really? Okay. Yeah. He's going to be someone to watch just with the Russian ties and what's going on. He's sitting there at number four. Our good friend, Mikey's going to take him to San Jose. Greer's got time. There's no rush. He's a rebuild. And it's, and it's almost like he doesn't even want the kid yet. Right. Right. You don't need him. Take him yeah. at four and let the kid play over in the KHL for two, three years and bring him over at 21 where the kid's exactly. a stud. Yeah. And then your entry level starts three years from now instead of today. I mean, that's 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 what I'm saying. If if I'm Buffalo, the only way I, I sit at 13 or maybe move up to 10 and get, get that Reinbacher or defenseman, or I'm going to trade that pick for, a, you know, immediate help. Or package more together and give, you know, Greerzy a call and be like, hey, what's it going to take to get the four? And I would uh, take Mijkov there. I think Columbus is not going to take him. Anaheim's not going to take him just because of the uncertainty, right? And I think Columbus especially, I think they're ready. They need a player now. They can't wait. I think that window is closing, and I think they showed that by the Babcock hiring. They need to win. So where are you putting in the resume? West, Western Conference, Eastern Conference? 
two blanks if it's the West, one if it's the East. It's West and East. I'm going for everything. Just not Buffalo? I, but there's there's no phone call from Buffalo. <laughs> but there, there are calls? They are, yeah, they are, yeah. The show's helping out big time. Well, hey, we, we get media requests all the time. Just continue to squash them. Sorry, wrong number, I say. That's perfect. You keep doing that. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.